The federal government is poised now to introduce legislation to control access to firearms in this country. But already gun control advocates say this thing does not go far enough. Here's what is on tap. The legislation is going to include a mandatory buyback of guns that the government considers to be assault-style weapons and also a crackdown on high-capacity firearm magazines. Uh, The buyback will cover about 1,500 models of firearms that the government banned through an order in council. Just give you some perspective here. It was Friday that Stats Canada reported that violent crime involving firearms in this country had actually increased from 2013 to 2019 after a number of years of decline. So let's get some perspective on what we are likely to hear this week and what does it mean. Dr. Juhong Lee is Associate Professor of Sociology at the University of Toronto, researching writing about gun violence and crime. Welcome back to the program. Um, Just off the top, do mandatory buyback programs actually work? Thanks for having me. Um, They do, but I I should add a caveat. So our our best example of a mandatory buyback program actually reducing gun violence is in Australia. Um, But Australia has a very unique geography in that it's somewhat isolated from the rest of the world. And so it's easier to uh, restrict the influx of illicit firearms. Um, Canada, however, is not isolated in the same ways. And Canada also has the unique challenge of bordering the United States, which is the world's leading exporter of firearms and is a country with states that have very, you know, porous and relaxed gun laws compared to Canada. So um, I guess it's kind of a, a yes and a no response. Like they, they, we have an example of it working uh, in Australia after their horrific massacre in the 90s. Um, but Canada is not Australia. Canada is bordering the United States. And there are a lot of guns that are coming in from the U.S. So it's a bit of a, a, a mixed response, I guess. I, I hear the comparison to New Zealand all the time. Like, look what New Zealand did after Christchurch. But again, I guess the, the point is the same. Is it's that's totally different than living next door to the United States. Yeah, sorry about that. I I, I misspoke. Yeah, New Zealand. Um, okay, pardon me. Uh, all right. So, if a buyback program might not work here in Canada, just because of the porous nature of the border, then does any legislation like this is it really going to have an impact? It's tough to say. You know, the 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 other thing that the these pieces of of legislation somewhat ignore is that the majority of homicides committed with firearms in Canada are done with handguns. So the the big issue right now, close to about three fourths um, of the the murders committed with guns are with handguns. So rifles comprise roughly about 30% of um, homicides in this country. And it's really tough to say. One of the other pieces of data that's troubling is that um, the, the limited amount of audit studies and research that we have on the topic shows that the vast majority of crime guns are also coming from the U.S. So, one, most of the murders are committed with handguns. Two, most of those handguns are coming from the United States. Some research shows that up to 80% of the guns that are confiscated after a person is arrested are traced back to the U.S. Now, we don't have like a, a long-term systematic Um, database on this because tracing is a timely costly process not everybody does it etc so um, we have very spotty data but the data we do have shows that most are coming from the U.S. so I'm not 100% convinced that something like this would have a significant impact on gun violence here. 
Yeah, recently here on Global News, uh, my colleague Tracy Tong had an incredible investigative series where we actually traced a gun that had come over the border illegally and then was involved in two deaths of two teenagers here in Ontario. And it, it kind of comes back to the, this, how this is so politicized. We see it come around at election time, you know, a promise to ban handguns, a promise for legislation, but it doesn't get at the root of the problem. So, I mean, are you frustrated that, you know, we, we want to feel like we're doing something in this country, but the most obvious and apparent thing, like legislation, doesn't seem to really have an impact? Yeah, I think one of the most frustrating things as a gun violence scholar is that there's a lot of talk about addressing root causes. And we've heard uh, the prime minister uh, mention this in a lot of his speeches and other politicians kind of use this buzzword. Um, but then the, the, the policies to address those root causes, to look upstream, to address inequities that are you know, underlying the decisions to even go and get a gun <clears throat> and commit a crime. Sorry. Um, those things seem to be lacking in comparison to a lot of these other policies that um, seem a bit opportunistic. Like this is a moment when a lot of people, because of the two recent massacres in the U.S., um, are talking about guns like the AR-15 and talking about the, the how dangerous rifles are but again they don't rifles are not used in the majority of shootings in canada um and if we really cared about gun violence deaths um the government would also should also be talking about suicides with firearms which outnumber um homicides every year annually um and so that that, that would require you know adding more mental health supports um adding different kinds of ways to intervene when somebody wants to take their own life so there, there's a lot of stuff that's out there that feels a little bit uh, symbolic and opportunistic and not always, you know, squarely aimed at addressing and reducing gun violence. Is there anything you're looking for particularly in this legislation this week? I think the big things for me would be one, what are they going to what, what's the federal government going to do about tightening up uh, the flow of firearms across the border? Studies have shown that the three most uh, common sending contexts or places where guns are originating from are places like in the South, Florida, Georgia. Um, there's also uh, another study showing that quite a few come from Washington state. So what are they going to do to address the flow of illicit firearms from the U.S.? Um, and secondly, how are they going to address the root causes? Are they going to you know, talk about it and use this symbolic language? Or are they going to actually invest in underserved communities? Jung Lee, it's always great to talk to you. Appreciate your time again today. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jung Lee is Associate Professor of Sociology at the University of Toronto, talking about what we're expecting to hear from the federal government this week, and there will be upset on both sides. I'm certain that gun control advocates will say this doesn't go far enough, and meanwhile, on the other side, there are already uh, a bunch of blogs and stuff out there that I've been researching this, you know, today, saying they're going to come and take away your guns. And so, of course, that is all part of it. And then the next time we come to an election cycle, then we all get to be terrified by uh, advertising that suggests this party or that party is soft on guns.